0: Welcome to this episode of our show, True Data Ops. I'm your host, Kent Graziano, the data warrior. E- in each episode, we're going to bring you a podcast covering all things data ops with the people that are making data ops what it is today. If you've not done so yet, be sure to look up and subscribe to data uh, to the dataops.live YouTube channel, because that's where you're going to find the recordings for all of our past episodes. If you missed any of last season, now is your chance to catch up. Now, my guest today is Chris Taub, who is the self-described hardcore data nerd from the mean data streets. Uh, Chris is a podcaster, speaker, expert consultant, and co-founder of Leap Data, the Snowflake SI Partner of the Year for Amia.
1: Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you very much. It's great to be here, Kim. And it's good to catch up. Um, it's been a long time since we've been face-to-face, but um, as you say, we normally cross paths on LinkedIn, and uh, great to be on the show today.
0: Yeah. Well, glad to have you here so uh for the folks who who don't know your your background can you uh you know give them a little overview of what you've yeah. been doing in in data management
1: i'll try and summarize it a bit so i've been in the industry 30 years so i started my career at a company called cognos um, uh, people may or may not remember but it was acquired by ibm uh, mid-90s or late-90s, I think. Um, so, yeah, cut my teeth on the, the visualisation and BI and OLAP back then, or MDX cubes. Um, seemed to, yeah, I think we all, our paths, of career paths, seemed to the carve themselves, but just loved what I did, loved playing with data, uh, lo- loved the challenge it provided, and there was always something new to learn. So that career path over the 30 years has gone from <clears throat> ETL developer, DBA, um the, um, architect, head of architecture, VP of engineering, CTO. Um, each each step of the journey, data has always been centric to that. Um, even when I had a, a wider remit, it was always understanding. Okay, how, how does it all get brought together with the data? Um, so data management as a as a sort of like a classification. I mean, you know, it, we, we had many names and many titles o- over the years and some of it was when we were sat in Shadow IT as it was called just uh you know doing these little data warehouses on the side um you know the world's the world's, uh changed and i think you know referred to as a hardcore data now i think i always look been here been around seeing it and and seen every piece of the puzzle i don't think people get that exposure now you know you go into an organization you're you know you're working on the engineering piece or you're working on the data you are working on the 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 DevOps piece, but you don't normally get as much exposure to the business aspect. And I think in my earlier days, it was it was always about the business um, and and how you know, we were solving or or uh, um, yeah, making the data world a better place. So I think look to the past, innovate for the future. And what I do like about the community is you know, I can share I can share what went wrong, <laughs> what went right, yeah. uh, what things have changed, and. Why that may change the way we work and what what maybe we can do in the future. Um, So, yeah, that's self confessed hardcore data nerd. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As uh, one of my buddies used to say, you know, you know, we well, we've, we've got the scars, right? We, we've mm. been there and we've been around long enough to have have seen some failures and yeah. learned some lessons and said, you know, we, we'd hear people say, oh, well, we're going to do this. And his response would be, nobody with gray hair would ever say that <laughs> because we know <laughs> that that's just not going to work out. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I think it, sometimes it's, we talk about it a it's lot, like it's, it's the way, the narrative and how you explain it because you know, never in the world of people being told to calm down as anyone calmed down. So sometimes, yeah, in this in this world of you have to do it this way, unless you provide the context and yeah, validate the decision. Now, so look, okay, am I missing something? You know, get people on that journey with you uh, to some level. Sometimes you may just have to say no, that we're doing it because this is the consequence. Uh, as long as you can evidence that or create a good enough uh, story, then everyone should go on the journey with you. Yep, uh, exactly. and that's what it's all about. Getting to the end game, getting to that business value, as I like to
0: call it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, you just recently got back from uh, Big Data London. And mm. Sorry, I uh, ended up not being able to attend this year. Uh, tell us a little bit. You know what jumped out there. You know what, what, what was the, the what yeah. were the hot topics?
1: I mean, I, I probably like the contrast of over the past three years. Obviously, we've come back to this full conference mode. And I remember year before last, it was just the vendors there hanging around because, you know, uh, I suppose they were had to to try and keep the businesses going. Whereas there were very few, um, I think tie kickers, I'd call them, or yeah, very, very few footfall. Um, the year after, uh, last year, you, know, you saw a, a bit of a bounce back. Uh, but this year just blew it away. Uh, I'm not sure the, the exact numbers, but I believe um, over 20,000, I think, across the two days, or there or
0: thereabouts. Which is just amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think there was a lot more interest, and in, um, you know what, there has been some consolidation. So I think I saw less like ETL and ELT sort of products, or reverse ETL ones that were common for a while. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of observability products, which I've got views on. You know what the definition of observ- observability actually is. What's it include? Yeah. What doesn't include. How many vendors you need to have complete complete vision of, of, of your platform, and um, yeah, and, and having that complete view is yeah, uh, it's becoming simpler with simpler architecture. It's all about the metadata, as as we all know, and, and uh, the the easier it is to combine metadata from a few sources in, in a common way. Um, again, look look to how things we've done in the past to to um, do these things again. You, you can you can you can get uh, a good view of what's going on but you just need to work out what do you really need to monitor and um, what what's what's the what's the outcome you're looking
0: from from it. Um, yeah so um from from your perspective you know we're, we're here to talk about data ops what is data ops what do you, what is that to you and you know how does that fit into this evolving data landscape that includes things like observability and data yeah. quality and all, all the things that you and I have been dealing with in the data management space now for, yeah. for a couple of decades
1: and I think well, again you know, we've looked to see how things have done in the past you know we've seen the lean methodology we saw DevOps in in, in the um, you know, the application space and, and it mature I think the data products that we work with at the beginning of the modern data stack here are weren't geared up and designed to work in that check-in, check-out code, code repository way. There was too many um, separate repositories, separate um, mechanisms for versioning, um, and then code that you couldn't visually go and compare. You have to go into a GUI. So it 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 was a hard landscape to to adopt. What the benefits that that uh, or to get the benefits that we were seeing from the DevOps world, I think. We've seen the products change. We've seen you know, products like DataOps Live build adapters or work with these vendors so you can create that seamless integration to them to get that DataOps experience. But I think I was had a, a, a John Cook was on a show yesterday and um, it's all about, and I've talked to Guy Adams, who well, was on with Sanjeev on, 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 a, on a, one of the events at Big Data London. I think it's just about that data product management way of working so and you know, we can call what you know definition of what a data product is or not and i've 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 had posts about it needs a skew does it not need a skew is it <laughs> is it something on a line item on a on a on a, uh, a staple of work or an invoice or is it we're just looking at them as features features that are, are that collectively are making a bigger product and if we start thinking of data ops as the ability to Deploy new features, manage those features, uh, that all gradually complete, can create that that data product. And again, when you say a data product, when you're talking to the business, it's all about that narrative again. So when you're talking to uh, a a trade, a trade or something, it's about the algorithm, it's about the the insight, the decision that you're going to get from it. You know, if you're talking to Um, a a geospatial specialist is all about okay how I can sell that data with that augmented with 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 some other it could just be it's a business process optimization okay I'm looking to see how I can onboard uh, get less drop-off on your uh, onboarding process from a data capture perspective or from a uh, a KYC uh, checks that you perform being more accurate so yeah anything that you do uh and I, I suppose data ops is the method for you delivering business value and the definition i go with business value is business business value is an evidenceable positive impact on your company's performance Ooh, you, know, I like so, that. you know you can see whether that's year one year two depending on what mode of a company you're in if you're uber you could wait till year 12 before you actually get some some benefit from it but knowing that strategy knowing the path you're on and as long as you're achieving what the business strategy or objectives are that's, that's improving your performance. And not everything can be directly related to you know, some value. And I think that needs to be recognized. And we've joked around about putting your socks on tax. Having that FinOps in place where you can recharge a bit that helps oil the engine, which is your data ops engine. Um, Guy had, a, I think, a, a force multiplier. Guy Adams re- referred to it as. Yeah, your data ops engine is your force multiplier to give you competitive advantage. There is a value associated with competitive advantage. The people that are gonna survive this industry are gonna be the people that are able to get more insight out quicker, more reliable, more trusted. Um, and rather than being forced on the business that you need it, the business is gonna start requesting it. You know They're gonna want this, they're gonna get the FOMO experience. I want what the other department has. I think that's what we need to get to.
0: Yeah, well, I think you, you pretty much just answered my next next question is whether or not you thought it's possible to, to deliver value at scale with all the data that we have today if we're not adopting this kind of approach with a, a data ops, you know, an yeah. agile mindset, like we, we've been trying to get to, and I, I think you just answered that. Yeah, I,
1: I think the, the answer is, it's no longer an option. I, I don't yeah. think you can't go into this, this uh, you can't say competitive unless you, and the same thing with DevOps, you know, you can't be competitive with it if you're building an application that you don't have DevOps methodology. You, know, you can't instill that reliability, scalability. So the same thing just needs to be, it's a de facto now. If, if, you're, not, if you're not data opting, yeah, you're, you, you may not be around for much longer.
0: Well, yeah, and I, th- with the the speed at which we're trying to move and the amount of data, and because we're trying to deliver this value, you have to have something to help manage all of that because I think the the risk of a mistake has a higher cost now, sooner, right? Yep. And you remember the old days, the old, if you, found, if you found the error at the beginning of the session, then it costs you this much. Yep. If you find it later on, yeah. it costs you this much. Yeah. And the further down you get, the more it costs you to find an error and fix it. But I think yep. that's now compressed because we're moving at such speed at scale that we, we can't hardly afford that mistake at any level. um especially when you're feeding now data into things like machine learning and ai that are gonna like you're trying to get immediate results so we have to have some way to manage it and i think this is where observability of course comes in and monitoring that all of that comes in is if we're not looking at it that way then you know it could blow up way faster i mean there's fail fast and then there's like crash and burn right
1: yeah exactly (laughs) And um, I, I think you, you'd use the term monitoring. I'd I much prefer that than than, um, the, than, than observability. And I, I think as a, I, I coined like five or six levels, I think, that give you that full observability. And I think the bottom level is the application. So it's APMs, you know, been around for ages, data docking, new relic. Then if that's the SaaS monitoring, you know, looking at your snowflakes, your five train, any pair-as-you-go service, looking like that. I think it's the connectivity then, so I of how they're all working together, the content, what's being moved between one place and another, so loss of data. Then quality, at uh, ingest, and then data degradation, and then usage, who's using it, when they're using it, how they're using it. Until you've got all of that, you, do you need it all straight away? I don't think that's the case, but you need to probably know that you may need it at some stage and have that as a, uh, on your strategy roadmap and, and doing it in that iterative way in a feature, uh, you know, feature-based product um, mentality, add those uh, in the right time, in the right order.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, where do you see data modeling play, playing a role in all of this?
1: So, uh, um, I have to ask you, you a data modeling question. Yeah, you, you did, and and <laughs> yeah, and I think last year or maybe eighteen months ago, there was you know, the modern data stack's dead. You know, it doesn't have data modeling, and it was. I had my rants every now and then and this one got me off was the yeah, it's not the modern data sacks, you've forgotten how to data model. And um, I think I did bring back data modeling as a, as a bit of a hashtag. They got a bit of a follow, mm-hmm. which was great. And it, it did really raise it shows what the community can do when someone you know collectively keep talking about the same thing. It raised if you probably did some stats on, on you know how often it was searched or how often posted, you know, it it, it definitely raised a profile on that. I think the other thing that's helped with that is people talk about the single version of the truth, talk about the cost now of all their pipelines, um, li- linking it to generative AI or being able to get more more uh, uh, automation that's created. It doesn't work unless you actually know what you're modeling. and. You know, um, the, the panel I did at, at Big Data London, I, I had Joe on there, Serge on there, yeah, well, we read his book, we had Jay from Snowflake, Jay Palmer, uh, we had some business, Mike Renwick, so we had a great selection of opposing views, but I think everyone would agree, we need to have a, a logical, the, the data needs to represent the business, and how you physicalize it, You know, there's there's going to be, it's purists out there, you know, and and, and I love um, Veronica as well, that I know, I know you know very well. You know, yeah. it's about the right, you know, it's a pragmatic approach. You know, she's very, and I, I love the fact that, you know, she knows all of them. You know, she knows DataVot very well. It's, it's what's right for you at the right time and based on the right requirements and very consultant thing to say, but, you know, there, there is no one size fits all. But I think we all agree is you need to have an element of modeling, an element of, um, physicalization of that model, which should be probably pattern based, have, have a clear understanding of what works well. And I think the other thing we, we both know, I talked about the Oracle days and you know, it was an Oracle, Oracle DBA. We modeled data to get the best out of the infrastructure, and it, it was that that was the reason we were bound like that. So that's not, or the same limitations aren't there anymore. So right. Yeah. There is a, and I know Joe's doing. A, Joe Reese is doing a book on this, so there is a you know, turn it on his head a little bit. You know, have a look at what what is the right right one. But you know, having that immutable source of that data doesn't go away. Have, having having a, a business classification, business um, dictionary description of, of that data is not going to go away. Whether you do a, a big fat feature table, whether you go with Kimball still. Whether you whether you just do a just a bunch of tables, I don't suggest that approach. There's an MET to, to get something there. Maybe like, but recognize that you need to address these things. Don't build on top of sand. Don't don't think you don't have to address it at some stage. So yeah, um, I, I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to see um, uh, Serge write a book on it. I'm glad to see that Snowflake are adding more features that you know help with that. The, um, primary key foreign key constraints that can be applied to it uh, providing that more of a context and then the world of generative ai comes along reasonized data dictionary you don't need to go and put that data outside of your 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 current source of that data let it write the query for you, you
0: know? yeah, yeah. And that actually brings me right into the my the next question about the role of automation and maybe even ai driven which you you just mentioned mm. for data modeling and data ops and all of that and Part of that is, you know, data modeling is part in a data model of some sort, whether it's conceptual, logical, business semantic model, or a just a physical data model with foreign keys and primary keys that provides metadata necessary if we're going to, if we're going to automate any of this stuff, because otherwise, what are you automating, right? Yep. Yep.
1: So... Yeah, and I, I've, I think the more we can automate, and I think uh, probably one of my predictions for for twenty twenty four what should happen or what may happen is there are only certain amount of businesses out there, and at LEIT we 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 always like to build something that's tangible that we use internally as our LEIT Lao or, allow, or it demonstrates yeah, what what the art of the possible and some best practice. We did one for um, advertising analytics. So taking all the social feeds that are out there, looking at all the common attributes, you know, they all have likes, they all have like views, they all have and um, some geolocation information, they all have they all have the common, but they're not using all the same common data model. So you know, we went for an exercise, mapped it all in, you know, that but I think there's a community aspect of that outlook that can happen now. And you know, the likes of what DBT have done and and, and I think there's other ones that are doing that community service, you know, you can start having a default, you know. E-commerce uh, data model for for the for both sides of it. A and, standard model, and, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it is the I know I mean, it is the eighty twenty rule. And, and yes, I think absolutely. With, with with that with that feedback from from the business, and also you talk about the metadata. You know, take that metadata from Fivetran, Take the metadata from Rivery. Take the metadata from Talon. Or whatever the the, the 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 metadata that's been collected from the same source, it's going to be SAP, it's going to be a Salesforce, it's going to be a a NetSuite, have that taxonomy that is crowdsourced and and done once, I think it's going to be a a game changer because I don't think the big vendors will like it, for example, the source system because it means that people can easily swap from one to another. But I think it's out of their hands to some degree. If the community wanted to start Performing that, and then use Genitive AI to train on top of the feedback that's been given. We all see what LinkedIn's doing now. It puts articles out, helps you. You go I've I even got a badge myself right. I am not not sure. You just go and add add to it, add to things, so you validate it. You know, yeah, gamify it, but put it out there. With, you know, people out there working in the industry. I know some things do. I live in this 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 perfect world, and I suppose, but I, I don't think every industry at work because banking and there's a lot of proprietary stuff.
0: But there's a lot of industries that are. But very... there's still, there's still a lot of commonalities in all yeah. of those. If you remember back, yeah, I think it was it was the mid '90s. I wrote the Data Model Resource book with Len mm. and and Bill Inman, and that was, you know, at that point in our careers, it's like you know we've seen there's a pattern, mm. and yes, every individual organization has its own nuances but there's a core to all of these things that every one of them deals with one way or another and you know the biggest fight is just agreeing on the terminology right so
1: yeah true true, (laughs) what what do we
0: call that thing but yeah we recognize yes we have those things that have these kinds of characteristics and yeah we don't call it that but we call it this all right well that's your that's your data dictionary right and your business ontology
1: yeah Yeah, and i think every industry will have a variation but I think there could be some commonality about that, and yeah. it's very hard to argue the community when when you say, "Look, okay, well, I know you call it this, but eighty percent of the world
0: Cause of calls it this."
1: Cause it this. Do you want to meet them? Okay, I'll give on that one. But um, yeah, yeah. So I I, I do think that um, there's more can be done in in that data modeling uh, world, but I, I definitely think we're starting to make traction and. Uh, yeah, making some yeah, progressive yeah, raise yeah,
0: profile. Yeah, if we're gonna have automation and and do these sorts of things, we've got oh. to have some point of reference. It just can't be what what would you call it the uh, uh, the bunch of tables thing. Oh, right?
1: yeah, which, just, yeah, J just a bunch of tables. Just a bunch of
0: tables, which oh. is, I think, the original definition in my mind of a of a data lake slash data swamp. Oh. Is yes, yeah, so we throw it all in there, and it's just we'll, we'll go figure it out. It's like. Yeah, Somebody has to figure it out at some yeah. point and it has to make sense. And if we want to yeah. streamline things and automate things, we've got to find, we've got to know what the patterns are. And for us, the pattern is a data model, right?
1: Yeah. I think you just hit the nail on the head of, of, and again, we we look back is because anyone was in that era pre the big data scheme on read, you know, just sticking a JSON file into a lake. Um, yeah, I was called out at that time. I was a dinosaur. You know, you don't, <laughs> don't do that anymore. do me like, be silly. You know, risk. And it, it it created it created a an era of big failures in the data world, which has lost credibility of of projects and making it probably harder to go and get the budget to go and do another uh, and you know, try again because you know, there's been yeah. too many failures. And the the approach of just sticking it where they're worried about later then. Unfortunately, at the beginning of the modern data stack hero, it was too easy, and, and, and the, the cost of being OPEX, not CAPEX, you know, it run away, just stick it all in, you know, just get five frames, get it, we'll work it out again later. We made the same mistake again. And I think now with you know, people, a well, well, focus on, on making sure that there's FinOps in place, making sure you get your best bang for your buck. Um, and I think this business value, and the reason why I keep using the term business value all the time is is uh, I'm... I'm doing this book with with Matt Housley it's it's, uh, next year we should be out um, and it it referred to the high performance data playbook but but it's it's trying to break down what business value is rather than use the term monetization and then break that down as how you can actually achieve it in an iterative way and I think I refer to the fact that we always like to have a picture of our vision of our data architecture of our data platform We've imposed that onto the business rather than the business telling us a little piece of the puzzle, which then we can do a little tick. Oh, we've achieved that. We've achieved that. Level it up. And and creating incremental value that makes that journey. CDOs may stand longer in their roles than just 18 months because they're actually able to deliver and able to actually provide the business you know, what what, what the art of the possible um, that's been demonstrated to them can do.
0: Yeah. Uh, this This question is obviously... Timely based on what we were just discussing. And, um, you know, if data is low quality, the AI will infer a low quality model. Absolutely. We're going back to GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. So isn't that kind of a catch 22? Here, our take on it. Am I missing something? No, you're absolutely not missing anything. That's why we're talking about data models and metadata, uh, because, yeah, we're going to feed data into an AI model. It can only well, I go back to machine learning. We'll go back to machine learning term, right? We learn what we are taught yep. based on the data we're given. And so, yes, if we're giving the model bad data, then the results aren't going to be that great. Right, Chris?
1: Exactly. I think it's, it's about the quality. It's, it's quality, not quantity now. And I think what what generative AI is given is it's given us that speed to view the quality of the data much quicker. Um, talk about those failures before of, of having um, long project before actually delivering any value. Um, you can quite easily spin up something, single store or something like that. You go and spin up something on run run a generative AI on your own data and it quickly tell you how bad it is. Um, so I I do think that it's created a focus now of we need to have this this you know this better quality data, and it's having it's generated as having the correct decisions now. Um, whereas I think that it's the first time I've said this before that it's the first time we see a hype cycle. It's actually providing good <laughs> because it, it's not been talked about enough about you know, data ops approaches. You know of what why you actually need it, and you know, when you say okay, I, I need to invest in this data, or what, but. What's the value in it? I, it's, it's just an extra expense I've got. And if, unless you're able to evidence that, but by the way, unless we do this, we're going to have a longer, longer time to market, we have more risk, we're going to uh, need a more complex team to, to go manage it all. And by the way, you know you wanted that feature every month, sorry, every quarter is all we can do because it takes too long to test it
0: and regression test it. Right. Yeah. We can we do it all by hand, but it's going to take a lot longer. And the people are the most and, expensive resource you've got. Yeah. yeah. well, I think one of the uh, uh, the challenges with with Gen I AI is people assume that because the AI generated it, that it's right. And that goes right back to the question our user just had. It's like, yeah, if, if it's based on poor quality data or unverified data, it may look legit, yep. but not necessarily. Uh, Dan Lindstedt posted uh, yesterday on LinkedIn an article from uh, a friend of his who was reading a Chat GPT document about himself, and he was reading it and he was going, "I don't remember that happening," and had to then you know iteratively ask questions, and eventually got down to the point where Chat GPT said, "Oh, I'm sorry, what I said before." about this was actually wrong. And yes, the the URL I gave you is not a legit URL. It doesn't even exist. And he had to keep questioning it. And bottom line, it got down to, okay, the main premise that was originally presented was completely factually incorrect and not true because the information it found was not correct. And when it went to do more investigation, it discovered, hey, you know, that really isn't correct. And we, we don't want to assume we shouldn't assume that just because it comes out of ai that it is correct for, for these reasons right if,
1: exactly you know, so if it's being trained on fake news it's going to give fake results
0: exactly <laughs> exactly um... and if you and if you're training it on data that doesn't have good referential integrity or good quality is not verified is just junk garbage data or as uh, dan posted about one day poison data Yep. the results aren't going to be what you need them to be and they're they're not going to be reliable and so we ha- we do have to be careful about that it's yeah. not again the old we know what assume means and you know people yeah. assume Mother gen of- AI gen, gen yeah. AI produces valid results yeah. is not correct it's not something that you can just assume
1: no I think that's when you have control of your own destiny if you start training this stuff up you can actually put the rules in there of you know, the, the the source or the credibility of the source to, to has to have a certain level of uh, quality map. And I think that's probably the next big thing out there for all of that open source or marketplace data, there's directories of them, but who's who's actually given a quality assurance of those ones? Right. And I think that's going to be the next knowledge map out there and, and maybe crowd people crowdsourcing that quality to verify it. Yeah. yeah. How the, uh, yeah. The, the only only way of um, yeah, AI is only as good as what, what we tell it. So.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well. So uh, yeah, we, we've got to wrap up here, Chris. So uh, tell us, uh, you know, what's what's coming up next? Uh, do you have an, another laid back data meetup coming? Yeah. You know, yeah. Which conferences you might be speaking at in the next couple of months.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah. So the, the we do a London meetup um, monthly. Um, they started last year, and I did one. I said they can't wait for the one next month. I think, oh, I'm doing the monthly, so they, they've been a great success. And uh, the one before Big Data London, was everyone, with everyone was there except yourself, Kim. But uh, you were there in spirit, should we say? In spirit, um, yes. Uh, I yeah, was following.
0: So, the, I was looking at the pictures on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so you'll find that on our website uh, under the meetups. Also, have our webinars on there as well uh, on our uh, on our um, on our website. Yeah, so we're doing them weekly now. Called the Data Value Show um maybe not quite the same quality as this but we're getting there we're getting there uh, and then um speaking and so what day-to-day texas um speaking about my favorite subject business value and, and that's january 24th right it is yeah and in austin uh, texas yes austin texas thank you for that and lynn bender um, who runs that does a, does a great uh, great job there so anyone anyone in the area I highly recommend it and then just the hot off the press after the success of Skid 2023 in Verbier, Switzerland last year, we got the, the green light. We're going ahead with that. So, Skid 2024 will be happening. So, watch this space on that. If you don't uh, already follow Leak Data or myself on LinkedIn, uh, check us out. Um, or, always some interesting and, and informative and slightly funny content.
0: Uh, <laughs> yes, from the mean data streets. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for being my guest today, Chris. And uh, thanks to everybody out there for for joining and all of you who said hi to us in the chat. Uh, Be sure to join me again in two weeks when my guest will be the self-described data therapist and a certified information privacy professional, Karen Meppen, who's the director of client services at Snowflake SI Partner of the Year, Hakoda. Now, in between now and then, please join me and Sanjeev Mohan next Wednesday, October 11th, for a live webinar where we're going to unpack the recent Gartner report on DataOps. So you can sign up using the QR code that's on your screen right now, or go to dataops.live slash unpack-gartner-market-guide. So uh, be excited to to have this chat with Sanjeev. He's been on the show here. Chris has had him on his. Uh, Great guy to talk. Very, very knowledgeable about all these things. So as always, be sure to like the replays from today's show and tell your friends about the True Data Ops podcast. Until next time, this is Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior, signing off for now. Have a great day, everyone.